This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic from Bloomberg Radio. A couple of different stories. Um, one had to do with Daimler splitting up into the world's largest makers of luxury cars and commercial vehicles. So they're doing a split. Meanwhile, we've been watching other auto stores, including the more aggressive moves into EVs. Then we also heard from GM uh, today saying the chip shortage was hurting it. So there's a lot going on. Let's uh, find out what he is seeing. It's great to have back with us, Tom Dahl. He is president and CEO over at Subaru of America. He's joining us on the phone from Subaru headquarters in Camden, New Jersey. Hey, Tom, nice to have you back. How are you? How are you doing? Great, Carol. How about you? Great to talk to you again. Yeah, great to have you here. Uh, You know, hard to believe that we're a year in on all of this, uh, but here we are. Um, How how did the pandemic impact you guys, and where are you now in terms of visibility for 2021 and trends for 2021? Sure. Last I spoke to you, I think it was probably last uh, March or early part of April. Yeah. And we were really struggling at that time. Um, our business was kind of in shatters like everybody else's was. And, in fact, our factory had closed down probably from the end of March through about the middle of May. Uh, and then as we reopened, as, as the economy started to reopen, as we got into the late spring and early part of the summer, there was a tremendous rebound. And, in fact, if you look at our sales from, I would say, that July period through December, we were actually selling at about a 700,000 sales pace, which for us is pretty good. Uh, and that continued over into January. January, we had a record month. We sold 46,400 vehicles, best January we ever had in the history of the company. And we're looking yeah. forward to that momentum continuing as we go through the first half of the year and really as we project into the second half of the year, because with all the stimulus that's currently out there and plus the stimulus that's currently being proposed or at least talked about at this point anyway, uh, we think the market in the second half of the year could really pop uh, and we need to be prepared for that. That's really interesting. So the stimulus money, is, is that what you, how you account for a lot of the increase in demand? I think a lot of the increase in demand had to do with the fact that, uh, you know, people are really interested in SUVs and trucks. The truck mm-hmm. market and SUV market, including the small SUVs, where we compete heavily with our products like Crosstrek and Forrester, those segments are doing extremely well. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the sedan market is, has taken it on the chin, as you know, over the past year. Right. Because of, just because of the demographics of that segment. The, the demographics are such that that's probably the buyer that would be more impacted by what was happening in the economy. But buyers of trucks and SUVs are probably le- were less affected, and therefore we're able to kind of sustain the market. Hey, I want to ask you, Tom, are you finding that you're getting any kind of new time, you know, new or first time buyers? Because one of the things that we talked about a lot during the pandemic is people were like, okay, I can't travel anywhere. I'm limited to where I can go, but I can get in a car and I can drive. And that kind of became such a, a way of feeling a little bit of a freedom or normalcy. And I just do wonder in terms of the buyers, were they repeat Subaru buyers? Were they first time Subaru buyers? And were they first time car buyers? Really good, really good question. Um, I would say it's a combination of both, right? I mean, our 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 owner loyal our owner loyal uh, loyalty is quite high. You know, we're number one in the industry in terms of our owner loyalty. So, we know we know based on the on the total number of vehicles that we've sold over the last ten or twelve years that a certain number of those people have to come back to the market anyway. They just need to have another new car. In addition to that, we were conquesting. We're probably one of the few brands that are still able to conquest. Uh, to a fairly strong extent. Mm-hmm. What and, does that mean, I, conquest? <laughs> well, that means that means they're leaving other brands to come uh, to us. Got it. Okay. Uh, so we we're we're able because of our you know our our great products you know you can't do it without strong products as you know yeah and and as a result uh, 
you know, with with uh, our awards and accolades that we get from Automotive Lease Guide or Kelly Blue Book. You know, we've got, we've won Kelly Blue Book's most trusted brand, I believe, for six years in a row. Um, I think out of the last nine years, we've won ALG Automotive Lease Guide's award for mm-hmm. best residual values in the industry for seven years in a row, lowest cost owned. Crash test by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. We, we kind of nail and check all the boxes. So as a result, people that are in the market for SUVs and particularly smaller or midsize SUVs where we're strong have a tendency to want to take a look at a Subaru, or at least they should before they make their final decision. And we're lucky to get some of those customers to come to us. So Tom, let me ask you, I'm sure you've been asked about it many times. And I was, I did watch earlier when you were joining our Bloomberg TV colleagues, uh, this GM story today, uh, saying that they have some chip shortages, and that it was hurting it. You guys, you've been doing okay. So far, we have been, yes, um, it is going to affect us at some point along the way. But we know that through uh, the first quarter of the year, March, it's not going to impact us all that much. Now, we're still waiting to get information from our suppliers about how it might affect us as we get out into April and May in particular. Uh, but we're hopeful that the impact isn't going to be that much. What's going on? That's a good question. Um, you would think that uh, there'd be enough supply given the fact that these electronic devices and 5G devices that People are saying is the cause of the shortage. People were purchasing these things well before the pandemic started. And then coming out of it, production was actually, for us, was very strong. And we could get really all the chips we wanted through the period uh, up until probably early part of December. And that's when we first started to hear about this potential for a chip shortage. So I know they're working with our suppliers all over the world to try to figure out um, where we can source additional chips. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, it seems to us anyway, the situation seems to be getting better mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to worse. But I can't speak for all of the other manufacturers. I can only kind of speak from us. Right, right. I do have um, one question, though. I'm curious, are you concerned or could it lead to higher prices uh, down the road, potentially, especially if there are shortages? I mean, it could be depending upon what the chip manufacturers do with their pricing. Uh, We all have pricing contracts with the chip suppliers, uh, but in a situation like we're in, and if you've got to somehow find another source for your chip supply, there could be increases in in chip prices. But we're not, at this point, forecasting any significant increase in in, uh, prices as a result of the chip shortage. Well, and it's interesting too, you know, we've been talking a lot about kind of the chip industry, I feel like, um, Tom, over the last year. I mean, I look at my car, it's so much a piece of technology and the amount of, you know, technology that's in it, running it. And and as you move towards, you know, EVs, it becomes, I feel like, even more so. Um, Do we need to, as a world, as a country, kind of look at our chip supply chains more closely and maybe even as governments being much more active in terms of uh, those businesses and making sure that everybody and anybody who needs them has access to them? They are are clearly a vital uh, aspect of our vehicle production. There's no question about it because they're in so many different components. They're in our head units, they're in our engine control modules, they're in a lot of the advanced safety equipment that we provide. So I do believe um, that it is something that governments need to look into to make sure that there's a secure supply of these chips so that manufacturers such as ourselves don't get caught in a situation where you can't supply an adequate number of these chips that would meet supply Mm. and meet demand. Because you know, if if, uh, if manufacturers aren't able to get these chips, it literally does 
stop the production because you can't produce these vehicles and then insert the chip later. The chip has to be inserted into the device before it gets put into the vehicle. So it really is something that um, you know can can really throw a wrench into the whole production system. So we're, it is something I think it needs to be examined and looked into. Yeah, it just feels like that there's been a fair amount of momentum building, especially over the last 12 months. Um, and maybe it has to do with supply chains and trade deals and so on that we've all just been looking at this uh, more closely. Tell me what's coming down the pike from you guys. Uh, I feel like that there's been kind of ramped up more tension when it comes to EVs and more players getting more aggressive with some of their um, targets. How do you see it playing out? We're just like everybody else, you know, with the way greenhouse gas uh, fuel economy standards and and emissions requirements are, we're going to have to come to the market with a full slate of EVs and hybrid vehicles. In fact, our our president at Subaru Corporation in Japan has said that by 2030, he's expecting that 40% of our sales volume will come from either EVs or uh, some type of hybrid-type vehicles. So the, the, the industry is moving in that direction, and it obviously could move faster depending upon what governments do in terms of mandating. Uh, but right now the issue is more one of, of cost, right? Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you produce these vehicles at a cost-effective manner such that we can keep momentum that we've got going on in the market um, and keep people employed and, 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 make, and making sure that people can really afford these cars? Right, right. It's interesting. I don't feel like we've hit a tipping point, but I feel like, you know, forgive me, <laughs> Tesla has definitely tr- changed the trajectory here. No, it's going to. I mean, it's, um, and you can see what's what's happening in a lot of countries around the world, including yeah. our own, where government is now becoming more actively involved with, um, uh, with, 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 with more of these electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles being produced in the market. Because everybody's concerned about global warming, ourselves right. included. Right. And we have to make sure we're good stewards of the environment. Um, but but it's, it's happening at a very quick pace. And, and once that tipping point comes, I do believe it will happen fairly quick. Um, I just think, you know, we have to overcome some of the range anxieties that customers have um, and yeah. make sure that the vehicles... Um, you know, can or, or meet their needs. Right, right. And the infrastructure, I think it's gone. I think right. it takes off. And the infrastructure is there. Hey, listen, I do. You just mentioned being good stewards. You guys have definitely been good stewards when it comes to um, those folks who are really struggling when it comes to making sure that they've got food to eat and put food on their tables during this pandemic. Just remind us what you guys are up to. Well, we were struck by the number of people that uh, unfortunately had to visit food banks. Uh, last year during the peak of the pandemic and now. And if you, if you look at what's happening in food banks, right now is when they really need to have the food. And what we've done is we've partnered with uh, Feeding America. We're donating another 100 million meals to Feeding America on top of the 50 million meals we donated last April. So between us and our retailers, it's going to be over 150 million meals that we've donated to Feeding America to help with the hunger crisis. And as you probably know, Carol, one in four children in the country is affected by some form of food insecurity around the country. So this is our way of saying enough's enough and we got to do what we can do to help alleviate this crisis situation that we're in. I think it's really important. And we, I feel like as a society are leaning more and more on the private sector to do this. Tom, always good to check in with you. Thank you so much and uh, take care. Tom Dahl, president and CEO over at Subaru of America from Subaru headquarters in Camden, New Jersey.